Now I got some space in there, right? You need some space so that you can maybe do a little meditation and look inside and just start determine what areas you want to start working on or something like that. Ooh, now maybe I'm one of the guys that your mother's warned you about, like just looking deep into you and challenging you with something like this. Gina's about to cry. She enjoyed that so much. You enjoyed that way too much. <laughs> Hey, Warners, welcome to another episode of The Women Your Mother Warned You About, the podcast that keeps business sexy again. I'm Gina Tremarco. Uh, what am I? I am, I had to think about it, master sales trainer and coach at Sales Gravy, which is also the sponsor of this podcast. And I'm Rachel Pitts, mortgage loan officer for U.S. Mortgage Corporation and creator of Your UltraFit Lifestyle. We are so excited about this episode. We brought back Anthony Inarino. He has not been on our show since the beginning of this show, which would be way, way two back years ago. Day. Yeah, the very beginning when we first started the show, we brought him back. Um, he's just as fun and smart and funny as he was the first time, maybe even more. And what you're going to love about this episode, Warners, is that he gave us some psychotherapy, and you know <laughs> how we love our therapy. And my key takeaway from this, um, and by the way, Anthony's going to be at Outbound. You don't want to miss that. I need to eliminate the sand in my life. I'll just leave it at that. Oh, yeah. He, he talks about, there's some interesting references in there that Anthony yes. uses about that. Very interesting. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, Anthony is a... Highly respected international speaker, in case you didn't know. He's a best-selling author. He is an executive sales and marketing leader and a transformational sales strategist. You can check him out at thesalesblog.com. He's just got oodles and oodles of highlights in his, his past history. He's focused on helping professionals reach their full potential in oh so many ways. And he's got a wonderful dry humor and a very <laughs> quick wit about him. He's just fantastic. I think he You're, liked us better this time. I don't know. Maybe I, I liked him know. better. Yeah. Maybe, I, I don't Maybe know. he liked us better. I think he liked, he had fun poking at us, which was hysterical. He reminds me of like half the people in my family. He just wanted to poke and it was fun. Uh, again, a little psychotherapy. We also touch on personal competencies as salespeople and taking a consultative approach. So I think you're going to get a lot out of this episode and we're all going to be at Outbound together in Atlanta in the middle of June and check that out, outboundconference.com. And you could use our Warner's 100 promo code to get some money off. And if you can't go to Atlanta, you can do it virtually, which is super cool because Rachel and I are going to be live streaming from Outbound so you can see and hear us if you buy a ticket to Outbound. So sit back and enjoy this episode with one of our favorite guys. We have a lot of favorite guys, but one of our favorite guys, Anthony Arena. We're so excited to have you back with us, Anthony Arena. It's been a long time. It has, it has been a long time and we've known you longer than Jeb. So there's that. Really? A little bit. Yeah. I think we had Anthony. Yeah. We, yeah, 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 yeah. Because we had Anthony on the show before we had Jeb. I saw Anthony as a pathway to Jeb. I, I mean, oh, yeah. I might've been using you a little bit. Truth be told. That's what, 
exactly the kind of woman my mother warned me about, like the kind that would take advantage of me. Exactly. But I don't think you led us to him. I think I think you may have said he's a busy guy. Have you noticed he's a busy guy? <laughs> have you noticed that yet? Um, uh, he's made Gina fun- a busy girl. <laughs> yeah. It's so funny now because he gets on me about my schedule. I'm like, I'm just following the book. He's like, there's no room on your schedule. I'm like, there is if you look at it. Things can be moved. I just don't give white space because people hijack it. And I need to be efficient. Yeah, he is. He is. Um, he exhausts me, honestly. And you love it. <laughs> and I love it. I never found anybody with the energy. I, I'm like, I thought I was like a Tasmanian devil. Somebody recently, I didn't tell Jeb this. Somebody started referring to me as Jabina. <laughs> I don't know if that's good or bad. I don't think so. I don't know. I don't think Jabina works for you, Gina. <laughs> I don't think I don't think Jabina is going to work. But I remember the first time we had you on, and we really weren't using you. But I'm like, yo, he could get us there. Maybe I we figured out Jeb. All I had to do, like after thirty text messages and emails was, Hey, love your book. Want to come on the show? And I hadn't even read in one of his books. He says, like, if you talk about his books, that's how you get them. And he replied instantly. And that's how we kind of, so to speak, got in bed with him was, and then it was like, every time he had a book, which is often come back to the show. Right. And and that's what worked. And I remember when we had you on the first time and we were talking, I forget which book we were talking about. And you're like, the forward was really good. Of Jeb's book? Yeah. Yeah. We're like, yeah. You're like, I wrote it. Sales EQ, I think. Yeah. I think I wrote the forward to that one. Yeah. It's been so long. And Sales EQ, I think, is Gina's favorite one. Is that correct? That's hard to say. It depends now. on it, you know. It depends on the day of the week, honestly. Like, because I just came, I just got out of a teaching negotiations class out of inked, right? And so then, then it just get out. It all gets blurry. It depends on the. It de- really depends. Ask him where he got the name for inked. I know oh. the answer to that. Yeah, me too. <laughs> it was yours, wasn't mm. it? It was your idea, and you let him have it. Is that correct? That's true. What a giving guy. He's like, I'm struggling with a name for this. And I'm like, I got one. Look at that. He goes, what is it? I said, inked. He goes, can I have that? (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going to use it. I was going to use it for my second book, but I thought that was going to be the name of the second book, but the publisher didn't let me have that name. So I was like, might as well give it to Jab. Did you negotiate a royalty? No. doesn't work that way. I was just curious. It's a gift to a friend. That's what you do. That is that is nice. I like that. I like that. Speaking of books, anything new on the horizon? Yeah, the book is going to be called Leading Growth. I'm writing the, the throes of writing it. And then um, probably come out, I don't know, maybe five or six months from now. Oh, cool. You want to give us a sneak peek of it? What's it about? Leading Growth. Leading growth, yeah. <laughs> like, how do you lead growth? So I've already done a trilogy for consultative salespeople. So now I've got to move on and do something for leaders and sales managers mm-hmm. who need just as much help as their team. And a lot of times, nobody teaches you what you need to know to be successful in growing revenue. 
And it, it's nice if someone could give you a hint and a structure to say, these are the things that you really have to be concerned about if you want to grow. And everybody wants to grow, right? Yes. And I know of someone close to me who's got a company that's growing very fast and there's a huge learning curve with fast growth and how to handle that and manage it as the leaders. And, you know, I can only drip so much knowledge to a person. So that would be a good handbook to just slide on over to that person. (laughs) That's going to be at least two books, maybe three books, because I have another one that is already outlined. And then I have uh, a couple other books that have nothing to do with sales that are outlined too. It's just a matter of not delivering all the time and actually having time to finish these things. So that's Jed's problem too. Like you need time. And when you're busy, it's very hard to give the time to something that's not urgent, but important. Did you hear that, Rachel? I just, before you, before you start on me. I, ha- I heard it and I agree 100% to help negotiate this between you two. I mean, you're a lovely couple. Uh, You are going to have challenges in the relationship. There's no doubt about that, especially knowing both of your personalities. That's inevitable. We just have to talk this through, okay? (laughs) Wait, why didn't, where where was Anthony when we broke up? I know. Did you hear we almost broke up, Anthony? Oh my God. No, I didn't know that. Well, rewinding for a second, uh, when you mention all the books that you're in the middle of writing, I w- Gina knew that I was going to pounce on her about finishing her first book, at least one of the first couple of books she has on deck, because she has such great stories. So anytime anyone mentions working on a book, I always like give her a little poke. And so our breakup, I basically broke up, tried to break up with Gina via email. <laughs> How rude. So rude and cowardly. So cowardly. I say something like, uh, Gina, it's not you, it's me. <laughs> no, she said, Gina, it's you. Trying to find myself. No, it's Gina, it's you. Mm-hmm. Not my proudest moment, but um, so <laughs> then we had a good talk, <laughs> a very long talk, <laughs> like it should have been done. And it actually, I think the break, the almost breakup has strengthened our relationship because there were just, relationships are hard, any type of relationship. And a business relationship is no different because you're talking about two humans who have sometimes different priorities and different issues in life going on. And um, it's just strengthened our relationship. And that can work in a business business relationship or even in, in a sales relationship because I've had that happen recently that I had a client, things did not go well in terms of this mortgage closing. It was like not a good scenario. And after the fact, I called the realtor and and talked it out with her. And, you know, it's actually strengthened our relationship. Even though things went poorly, it's better now. So adversity creates depth in relationships. Well, when everybody's trying to get a, a refi, you know, it's hard to get those things done, right? Yeah. Right now, the refis aren't as, as amazing as they were la- this time last year. It was like an avalanche. So we're still doing it, though. There's so much There's so much emotion in that one. Yeah. With mortgage. Lots of emotion. It's, it's actually, so, there's so much emotion. It's helping me to handle people's objections and people's emotions because it gets so emotional. I'm actually getting better at it, which is really interesting. Just patiently waiting it out for people to vent what they need to. 
this is what Dina needs from you. She needs your continual growth. Uh, I mean, and that, that's she needs you to be better with people like this, including Gina specifically. <laughs> and, uh, she needs more patience from you. It's good that you're. We're, we're talking this out on your podcast, so this is going to be very helpful for you and not so helpful this for other people. This is the follow up to the almost breakup, just like maintenance. Yeah, maintenance. This is um, this is Doctor Inarino coming to you <laughs> here on the women your mother warned you about to um, just to check in, make sure that Rachel and I are doing good. And by the way, we we will be talking about this hot topic of our breakup um, at Outbound, so we will be live streaming this around the world in June. So you will hear the depth and the details unless you're at lunch and you're not listening to it. As long as it's, you know, got a lot of drama and as long as there's some conflict, because people need to see some conflict in this, you know? Yeah. Yeah. What one thing I can bring to the table is drama. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, we can pull up all of our Marco Polo videos and all I can tell you is there's no drama at outbound. Everybody just, you do your job. And it, it goes from beginning to end. Everybody's on time. It just works. 100% Everything's professional. Perfect. Everything goes off without a hitch every time. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Great. I mean, doesn't it always? Well, speaking of outbound, what, what will be the topic of your presentation, your major keynote? Okay, I'm going to do two. So the first day, I'm going to talk about what it means to be truly consultative. So that's going to be the big piece. Uh, the second day, I'm going to focus on more personal stuff, like how, how do you become successful in sales? And what are all the competencies? And what are all the things that you need to do to actually be successful as an individual? So that'll be the second one. So there's two big pieces. So one is big, big themes, big concepts, big direction about how you sell and, and you actually create value for other people. And then the second one is more about like, look inside, figure out what you're missing, start working on those things that you need to do so that you can be successful. So the, the, those will be the two that I do. And then there'll be a, um, I'm doing an elite session on competency models. Like how do you figure out where you need to develop and what do you do to develop in those areas? I like it. I'm all about growth, clearly, as we just discussed. <laughs> and I think the, some, <laughs> some of the best leaders and some of the best salespeople and some of the best humans are the ones that are constantly learning and, and doing that in, inside work of, okay, so I may be crushing it over here. And what else can I work on to help take it to the next level for my team and I? You know, And that's where people really shine. You don't have to be perfect. You just have to be growing. Right, Dina? So, yeah. so Rachel, I'm curious. So what, what do you need to work on to grow? What do I need to work on to grow? Yeah. Patience. Mm. Listen more <laughs> than I talk. Definitely need patience. Um, <laughs> um, genu uh, I need to improve even more on my follow-up sequences. I think I can improve there. Um, mm -hmm. And this list is coming too slow for you. You need to spend more time thinking about this. Like this should be coming right out of you, right? You should have a giant. I mean, Gina's got a list. We could ask her for the list, and then it would be just like stream of consciousness. It would just that, that, that that's how it would work. I'm growing so fast right now because I'm on the sales gravy train. So 
there is <laughs> there is constant growth without rest. Yeah. But it's it's good. What I've what I've had to really work on is time management and calendaring. That's that that has been my key opportunity, which I have gotten much better at. It's the only way. There's no such thing as time management. It's impossible. Well, more like time discipline. Discipline, yeah, discipline might work. I would just say priorities. How about priorities? Yeah, there's definitely there's definitely priorities. So the priorities get filled in on the calendar and then everything goes around it. Which has been which has been great because I literally am now in a good place of saying, No, can't do that, no, can't do that, no, can't do that. Those are not priorities. There's a a new book from the author that wrote Essentialism. I don't know if you read that book or not. Greg McKeon. Uh, great book. His new book is out, it's called Effortless. And he starts by talking about the, the Stephen Covey story that he used to tell about how the teacher's up in front of the classroom and they pour the sand into the jar and then they pour the pebbles into the jar and then you can't fit the big rocks in the jar. And, that, and he, he tells that story at the beginning of the book and it just makes me think like, why are you putting the sand in at all? Like what, what, why would you put the sand in? Like you don't need to fit a couple more rocks in there and get rid of the sand altogether. Like, why are you worried about social media and distractions and, and uh, all kinds of uh, emotional stuff that you're connected to? Why not just drop all that and not put it in the jar at all? And uh, I, I think he's a good essentialist. I think he invented the term. Um, but when I thought about it, I was like, stop putting stuff in that jar. <laughs> don't put anything in there. Because if you don't put the sand in, then you get margin. Now I got some space in there, right? You need some space so that you can, Rachel, I'm not directing this at you exactly, but maybe to do a little meditation and look inside and determine what areas you want to start working on or something like that. Ooh, now maybe I'm one of the guys that your mother's warned you about, like just looking deep into you and challenging you with something like this. Gina's about to cry. She enjoyed that so much. You enjoyed that way too much. <laughs> Dr. Norino. Now I'm like, you know, now that we've invited those other men, I feel like we need a third man for our uh, one of our sessions. He doesn't know about that yet. We already talked about this because we thought that Anthony would have a lot, a little bit too much going on at Outbound, but that doesn't yeah. mean... We were, we were very particular about who we selected and I even messaged Jeb because I don't want him to be think I dissed him, but I'm like, he's not going to have time for that. Yes. Have you had enough Jeb already, haven't you? Exactly. <laughs> I don't want him to feel like he's not included. Um, he said something he's about... Right on the other side of that wall, too. <laughs> he said he might put on a dress and ambush our live stream. Who knows? It could happen. It could. That would I be amazing. <laughs> I, I love that eliminating the sand thing. That is so deep. Very I don't know. It's just, I don't know how deep it is, but it just, when you start thinking about it, you need margin. You got to have space. You've got to have time to think. You have to have time to reflect on what you're doing. You have to have time. You know, people go like write in a journal. When are you going to do that? You can't do that if you filled that whole jar full of sand. So you kill it and give yourself room to do the other things so that you can be a better person and do better work and feel better about it. And now a word from our fabulous sponsor, Jeb Blunt at Sales Gravy. 
Hi, this is Jeb Blunt. There's a reason why thousands of sales professionals and top companies across the globe honed their sales skills at SalesGrave University. You see, SalesGrave University is different than most learning platforms. First, we have live courses taught in a virtual classroom by our master trainers that start almost every single day. And our e-learning platform is populated with hundreds of hours of sales training content produced by some of the top sales trainers in the world, including Gina's spontaneous selling course, which is worth checking out. Now, I've got some good news. If you've never taken a course on SalesGrave University, if you're a new user, you can take your very first course for free. That's any course on the platform, absolutely free. Just go to learn.salesgravy.com. That's learn.salesgravy.com or click the e-learning tab in the top menu at salesgravy.com. Pick out your course. And when you check out, use coupon code free course to get that course for free. That is free course to get your very first course for free. Speaking of Sales Gravy University, go check out salesgravy.university and see some of the courses that I'm teaching. Just scroll through the university and click on them and you will find me and sign up. I'd love to have you there. I haven't been I haven't been journaling and he had to bring this up and make me feel worse. Well, so two things that I thought of while you were speaking, Anthony. One is some audio that I was listening to lately was citing uh, different high achievers and Joel Osteen came into play and, you know, love him, hate him, whatever. He focuses his time on writing this great sermon each week and then he blocks off his time. So here's the time to write this great sermon. Here's the time to learn this great sermon. Here's the day I do interviews. And, and then Sunday, obviously, he's doing the sermon. And, and that's a good example of he takes everything else away. He says no to everything, all the other stuff, because that's his main thing. And he probably doesn't dump the sand in, like you said. And that's most of the time someone like me is running around adding too much sand because I see space that I think I need to put sand in, right? As opposed to, like you said, just leave that space so that there's room yeah. Gina, give some space. You said I was talking to Rachel, but I was trying to give you a message indirectly if I could. I mean, maybe, I mean, I could probably use a new coach. Are you, are you for hire? Maybe, maybe we need to do some regular coaching and counseling sessions. No, I'm afraid I'm trying to leave some room in my jar. I need some. Nicely right. done. Fine. The- I'll find another, I'll find another coach. <laughs> You're the coach. I don't need you. Stop it. You coaches, coaches need coaches. That's true. I have multiple coaches as a coach. You have a, you have a coach two rooms away from you right now. I think. Right? He, oh, that one. Well, yeah, I yeah. Mean, he's a good coach. He definitely. I mean, he is a great coach. I just don't get enough I, of him. I imagine you have a tough time interpreting what he asks you to do because of the lack of directness. So that that that. <laughs> <laughs> What a great reaction from both of you. I don't know if it's a good job. Wait, wait, this is us on a tangent. Okay, favorite favorite Jeblum phrases. Come here. Stand there. You failed. You failed me. Um, yes, you are correct, Jeb. Second one. You fucked that up. You you are correct. That's a, that's a technical term for not achieving something either in the way that it needed to be done or in the time, right? And my response is, you are correct. I own that. Period. End of story. Okay. 
Where were we? The coaching career. That is, that's coaching that there's a lot of people would pay good money for that. <laughs> you, you have to, if you're a coach, then what you have to do is recognize the approach that the person being coached needs from you. And sometimes so they true. need a very strong hand. You know, sometimes that's what's necessary. That, that is, that is so true. And, and I think that's why I don't take offense to, and he always surprises me too. Cause when it, it's only happened like t- maybe twice or maybe three times, I don't count. The first time, the second and third time I will count. <laughs> the, the first time wasn't really my fault, but the second and third time, um, I, I can, I can handle it. Number one, because that's fine. And then I know how to push back. And I actually, I, I go to a certain person named Carrie and go, how do I do, how do I deal with that? And then the she, and then she advises me and then it's all good. But yeah, I think you need, you need a coach that knows how to manage work with you. Right. And, and even in my coaching, I'm like, do you want me to be a tough ass coach or do you need me to wipe your tears coach? Yeah. Or you're not a wipe your tears coach. Really? Sometimes I am. I've wiped your tears. Yeah, you watched me cry and went, okay, so you're done. Let's do this now. <laughs> and you know what, Gina, Anthony is right because Jeb coaches you the way that you, if he was wishy-washy, you wouldn't respect him so much. I think that's part of why you and he get along so well is because he's able to be direct with you and you're able to handle the directness and manage it. Yeah. And when I cry, I leave the room. (laughs) (laughs) I only, I only cried once. It was like, it was like my first week in the studio and things are just, things are just fucked up and it wasn't my fault. And I, and he was angry. And I think he was just angry at the situation. He wasn't angry at me. And I just like a little girl went outside and like someone, they're like, are you okay? I'm like, I'm fine. Leave me alone. Let me just cry out here. I don't, I don't need him to take an Enneagram for me to know that he's an eight. I, I don't, I don't need to take the test. Like I already have enough evidence that he's an eight. And as an eight, I recognize an eight. So the, the, the eightness is high. Uh, there we go. And I can't even remember what I am. The I need eightness. to go back and look at mine. The eightness. <laughs> the eightness. Uh, you should take it. I've taken it. I got. I have it on my. I have it on an app, and I can't. I forget what I am. I don't know. I'm a five. I don't know. I don't remember. Five, what do you think I, I am? What do you? If you had to analyze me. I don't know you well enough. Mm, you certainly act like you do because you want to give me all this advice and tell me. Well, that's just because I'm playful and, uh, and I know that you guys are playful and it's much more fun if we're playful, right? It is so much more fun if we're playful. So much more fun. We love playful. I want to go back to, you talked about personal competencies and that's one thing that you're going to talk about. We had a really great um, podcast with, um, Larry Levine. And we got very much into obviously the heart of things and dug really deep into things that come back from our our childhood and baggage and how that impacts us as salespeople if we don't get rid of that shit. So I'm curious, could you share with us maybe one thing that salespeople could be working on from a, a personal perspective? You can't get rid of that. So the, the first thing is, is you can't get rid of it. I mean, it's the worst thing that you can do is to try to get rid of it. What you have to do is just change the frame that you look at it through. So the horrible things that happened to me 
are the things that made me what I am. So I, I look at them only through adversity is what built me. So I have a logo. It's a hydra. It's three dragon heads. And it's because if you cut a hydra's head off, it grows back two more. So the more you harm me, the stronger I get. And, and that's one way to look at it in a healthier way than to say, I'm going to try to repress this thing that happened. So what happens when you repress? A lot of this is in like shadow work where you have to look at those things and you have to recognize it happened to you or it was part of you or something. And, and you just decide, I'm going to determine what this means for me, not in the event anymore, but now in how I'm going to choose to view that event. And if you survived the event, then you survived it. So that's good. But then you can decide, did I grow from it? And it's, it's post-traumatic growth syndrome. It's not post-traumatic stress syndrome. It's growth syndrome. So this thing happens and your response to it is to adapt. And so I, I never would tell you to get rid of that because I think what if you study psychology and if you study Zen Buddhism, what you'll find out is the more you try to repress whatever that was, the more it comes out through you. And, and the more you try to resist it, the more that it's going to come out through you. So you have to acknowledge it and recognize this. So I had a Zen master who told me, uh, I was explaining a negotiation that I was in. And I had a, a difficult conversation with the client. And I finally said yes to what he wanted. And then he moved the goalpost. And then I was like, I did all that. Now he moved the goalpost. So I was unhappy and I explained my unhappiness. And uh, I said, I'll see what I can do here. And then he moved the goalpost again. And so at that point, I said, you know what? We're not going to do business together. It, it's not going to work. I'm not going to be a good fit for you. And you're not going to be a good fit for me. We're not going to be able to do good work together. So I apologize for my part of the conflict that we just had. But I'm going to go ahead and move on. And I hope you have a good, you know, I hope everything works out for you the way that you need it to. And I walk away. So I was on this conversation with a uh, a very, very well-recognized Zen Buddhist. I mean, one of the very top people. And I said, well, I was unhappy because this guy was an asshole. And, and, uh, and he was a difficult personality. And uh, I don't know, like, was I too attached to the outcome or something like that? And being a Zen master, he said, um, do you want to know what I think? And I said, yeah, that's why I brought this up. There's about 30 other people listening to this. And he said, you may not like what I say to you. And I said, <laughs> I asked you, I'm okay. You're, I'm not fragile. You're not going to hurt me by saying it. And he goes, you're worried about him being an asshole when you're an asshole and a bully yourself. And I was like, wow. <laughs> okay. I said, so that went really fast. We got right to the point as the Zen master would. Uh, and uh, I said, look, the asshole part I agree with. The bully part's not true. I said, I'm not a bully. And he said, well, would you test that? And I said, how would I test that? And he said, why don't you ask some people that know you and care about you whether or not in certain circumstances you might be a bully? And I said, yeah, I'll do that. He goes, okay, well, let, me know. let me know what you find out. Rachel, stop smiling like that. Just like that, that's not even, that's just rude at this point. You're enjoying this far too much. So, I went to my wife and I said, I want to tell you this story. I was talking to Gempo and I had this conversation. I relayed the whole thing to her. And, and he said to ask somebody who knows me and loves me if whether this could be true from time to time. 
Gina, don't distract me with this, with the, the facial gestures. And I said, uh, I'm not a bully. And she said, you don't realize that when you're being an asshole, you're really a bully. I'll point it out to you every time you do it from now on. And I was like, this will be great for our marriage. Like, this can't <laughs> possibly go wrong, right? And so I went back to Genpo like two weeks later and I said, Genpo, I'm not going to, I'm not going to exhibit those behaviors anymore. I, I understand now. I'm aware of this. And he goes, worst thing you can possibly do. And I'm like, how could that be the worst thing I could possibly do? And he said, why do you have the propensity to act that way when you're bullied? And I'm like, well, I was bullied when I was a kid. And I found out that if I didn't start to just immediately fight the person that I was about to be attacked by, I was going to get in a fight anyway. So I, I started to just react this way to bullies. And he said, that's the way it serves you. But that's only in those circumstances. So when does it make sense? And when does it not make sense? Because you have to choose when you're going to take a certain approach. And if you're defending people who are going to be harmed, that's the right thing. So the Enneagram 8 is called a challenger. It's also called the protector. And some of us are just wired this way that we don't like to see injustice and these kinds of things happen. So we engage in an aggressive way sometimes. So that's something. And you, if you're aware of it, then you can deploy it appropriately. So when you start thinking about competencies, I mean, one of them that I, I would argue is important for salespeople is not to be conflict averse. So that's, that's difficult because that could just be your upbringing, but you are going to have conflict when you tell a client that they need to do something that they don't really want to do. But your job is not to, to give them what they want, but to give them what they need. So they might want to hear you tell them that they can have everything that they want without having to do anything on their side and without having to make any changes. But when that's not true, then you have to go and be the one that tells them that their baby is ugly and that you could put a bag over its head or tie a bow on there, but it's still an ugly baby underneath that bag, even if it's wearing a bow. And we have to do something to improve your baby. And some people don't want to hear it. They want you to tell them what they want to hear, not what they need to hear. So one of the things about being consultative is you have to tell the truth. My friend Howard Bloom, who wrote the Lucifer Principle, one of the best books you could ever read, says the, the truth at the price of your life. And I'm like, well, we don't have to go that far. How about the, the truth, even if you lose a deal? But even if you lose a deal because somebody has unrealistic expectations, you have to tell the truth because that's what we do when we're consultative. We tell them this is what the reality suggests. And if you don't like that, you're going to be struggling for a long time. So the other competency that we might talk about to balance this is diplomacy. So something that's sometimes missing with the kind of women that you're I was going to say, are about. you talking to me now? <laughs> I was just, I was just hinting that, that there, there is a propensity to sometimes be direct when diplomacy would be a better way to help somebody understand something. And Rachel's just, I have no idea That's, how much she's enjoying great. herself, but her face sort of. <laughs> just, and I wasn't actually thinking about Gina when you were saying that diplomacy might be better than directness. I was thinking of a few different people, but that's a mic drop. I, I think I have a little more. I have some. I think my diplomacy might be. Just oh, I'm not great at diplomacy at all. <laughs> I'm getting better at directness. Just, yeah. It, you know what? It I believe it comes with age. Well, thank God you're a lot at least older it has than for me. me. I think with age, 
stop. But I mean, sometimes when I, you know, when I get mad, like when we almost broke up, I'm like, she's eight years younger than you. In dog years, it's a long time. So I'm just going to ignore her tantrum right now. She's still a baby. Just a baby. Thank goodness I have that to eight use as younger. an excuse at times. Still learning. Just... I, I want I want to dial back a little bit because you've, there's a lot of great things you hit on of, you know, don't abandon basically who you are, right? It's like a couple things with that. Radical Forgiveness and one of my favorite books always resonates with me about the things that happen where we're angry at someone and, and they, they've done us wrong that, that serve to us because we need to see it because we've been an asshole, and we've probably done that same exact thing that's happening to us. So it's happening to us so we can see it. That was a big aha from that book for me. And then this show, Doing the Women Your Mother Warned You About, you know, you asked earlier of, of you know, the name, about the name. You mentioned it. We, we came up with doing this show because we were at a point in our lives, personally and professionally, where we're like, we're, we obviously have very big personalities. And sometimes people don't like us sometimes. And we got to a point of we're so tired of trying to be what everybody wants us to be instead of just being who we are. And that comes with flaws and imperfections and fuck ups and things we got to fix, but we're still smart and talented. And there's still a lot of people who like us. So why don't we just stick to exactly who we are and be unapologetic about it and just show up that way. You can't be anything other than who you are. I mean, you can't. So you can pretend not to be who you are, but you'll still who you are, even if you're pretending that you're something else. So you might as well just be you because that's all you got anyway. That's right. Everyone else is already taken. You came up with that on your own, didn't you? I totally stole it from like 10 different books, like at least 10 books where they quoted whoever may have possibly originally said it. George Bernard Shaw, I think, or maybe it was, uh, who wrote the importance? You might be right with Shaw actually, but you know, sometimes you see these quotes and it's not the right person that's actually cited as who said it. Yeah. I see the one on, on Facebook all the time that says, you know, Abraham Lincoln says, you know, make sure that you change your password yeah. or something. It's always funny to see those. I've been obsessed lately with um, Tim S. Grover's book called Relentless. And he was the coach for Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant and all these things. And there's one section of that book that's fascinating because he talks about harnessing your dark side. And it's a little bit in line with what you're saying, Anthony, that the parts of us that we think are bad or that we've been told our whole lives is bad, that it's not going to go away. Like no matter how much therapy I have, my aspects of my dark side, which I'm very familiar with, they're just not going to go away. So to look at it as, okay, how can I actually use this in my uniqueness and, and harness this power when it's, when it, I need it, be able to control that dark side. But to not just keep trying to shove it away and, and put it away like, oh, I, f I finally mastered that part of my personality. It's never going to come back. I'm never going to be an asshole again, which it's, as you said, it's not happening. So far, you're not doing great on this podcast. I mean, I mean if that was the, your goal, I'm just teasing. <laughs> 
So it's biological. So part of the biology for human beings is we have this limbic system and we have this fear and we have these emotional responses. And a lot of it is just, it comes out when that part of you is triggered and it's there to protect you. So this is like millions of years of evolution for you to end up where you are right now. You can't get rid of it. You can't get rid of it. It's part of you. You know, I was watching a lot of the, the stuff that was going on over the last couple of years where like toxic masculinity and it's like, well, okay, but that masculinity is what caused guys to get in a boat and attack the, the Germans in World War II with incredible violence to protect other people. So some of this stuff is just part of us as, as what we are. So you have to look at it and say, when is it useful? When do I need to be protector? And when do I need to be okay with things going some way different than what I wanted them to do? But when, we, when you think about competencies, there's probably a balance on all of them. So if you pick one, like you need to be self-disciplined so you can do your work without anybody having to tell you to do that. But you also have to give yourself the freedom you know, to not do your work when it doesn't make sense for you to do those things. So there's a balance in all these things that you have to figure out. What, when your competency is one-sided, like I'm not conflict-averse and I'm not diplomatic, Okay, you got to work on the other side of the conflict aversion. Like the other part is be diplomatic enough that you can help people change without causing them to feel like they have to protect themselves from you and put their hands up. You know, you want to keep their hands down. You want them to feel like they're not being attacked so that they can actually try to work through things with you. And I'm back to talking about consultative selling. It all circles yes. back. Yeah, it's amazing how that works. It's, it's all a balance. I had a um, second call with a prospect yesterday because the first call was I couldn't wrap my head around. Like she has a, a majorly big problem that like literally set me back to I'm like, I'm like, I need to gather my thoughts and get back to you on this to, to talk it out. And in the second conversation, because I can't really share too much about it, but it, it it's, it's bad. And at one point I said, listen, I don't care if you don't hire us to come in and fix this for you, but whatever you do, you need to get, you need to get so far away from that person that you're working with, like immediately because, and her, her, her was like, I know, I know that. And she was like, cause you could tell there was emotional scarring from something else. She said, I know I need to get away from this, but I've already put all this money into this and I feel like I need to continue going. And we've heard this over and over again when we're selling and I said, you're only going to do more damage by following through with this. And I got so heated. I got so emotional about it because I, I could see what she couldn't see. And be, because the emotions were just blinding her. And it, that was the, and, and I felt bad. And after I did that, I'm like, this is a prospect. It's not even a client. I can do this to clients. But I said, I am so sorry. I said, I am known for having a little bit of a harsh tough personality as a, as a coach and consultant, <laughs> but you're not even a client yet. Um, and she said, no, I needed to hear that. Fear. Mm -hmm. Fear of walking away. That's it. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes you need somebody to tell you it's okay to do that. Yeah. yeah so I was, I was not diplomatic then. Well, you make a good point of if the scenario is so bad that it's going to create worse damage by sticking around than get out and, People do that all day long in personal relationships and business ones. Oh, but mm -hmm. I've sunk so much money into it already. Like, ah. 
all the time. So Anthony, in the past, in the, in the past, um, we had you on, I think in our, I know this is our third season. I want to say first season. Yeah. He was on in the first season. Uh, so we haven't talked to you for, for maybe two years and then we had the pandemic and way to keep in touch. I said earlier, I need to do better follow-up. So here's the proof. We're working. We're working on it. We're here now. We're here now. That's all that matters. And we're going to spend a lovely week together in Atlanta. And, yes. and, and you'll be done with us for like another two years. No, not quite. Or a year. Maybe in, until the next outbound, maybe. That's right. Um, any Anything you um, want to share with us that you experienced or aha moments that came out of get going through this crazy pandemic and how that maybe changed your business or your clients businesses well i don't know that that's as interesting as uh, as what i what i gained from it so like jeb january february non-stop and and yeah. back and forth across the country just a lot of of movement and a lot of work and then all of a sudden this, it stops. It, it just immediately came to a stop. So I'm home now and I had some kids that were coming back from college. So I had a lot of time with my kids. So that was great. But I would tell you my reaction to this is that um, the first thing I did is I went and I took money out of the bank. I don't know if you've taken money out of the bank, but it's hard to do. I just asked for $5,000 and they're like, what are you using it for? And I'm like, to bribe people for food when the pandemic was there. <laughs> this was like the first week of February and people had no idea that it was coming, but I'm watching it in Italy and Germany. And I'm like, no way it's not coming here. Like it's not, that's not possible. My wife's a nurse. So we already had like boxes of N95 and she, she won't go anywhere without uh, anti, you know, whatever it is that you rub on your hands, whatever that stuff is. In, Antibacterial. In yeah. So that's, so she always has that. She always has because she's a nurse. So that's like, that's their thing. They care about that kind of stuff. And uh, I got to spend a lot of time with her and I got to have dinner with her a lot. And then, so we were always home together. So that was really nice. But the interesting thing that happened to me is that LinkedIn blew up and Twitter blew up and my email blew up all with the same thing. Should we stop selling right now? And I'm like, what a weird reaction to have yeah. in, when people are in a time of need. Like, so I had to start explaining to people, like, when you go and you help people when times are good, you're obligated to go back to those same people and help them when times are bad, when they really need more help. And when you decide like, well, I don't want to have an uncomfortable conversation with them and they're under stress. Well, guess what? That, that's the price of admission to the relationship that you have with individuals. Like if you only show up when it's easy and when you're going to get paid and you don't have to stretch to do anything, you're never going to have the relationships you're capable of having as a, as a salesperson. So your job is to go in and start making a difference. And personally, I operate this way. So the first thing that I did, I'm going to tell you maybe March 15th or somewhere around there, is I wrote a recovery plan for my clients. I literally wrote like, how are you going to recover from this? This is what I think you need to do. And I called them and I said, I've written a recovery plan for your business. And they're like, you wrote a recovery plan? Like they're not aware what a recovery plan even is at this point. 
because they don't know what they're going to need to recover from. But I have a good hint that that once we shut things down, you're going to have you're going to need a recovery plan. So I immediately showed up and I said, I built the recovery plan. I want to deliver it to your teams. And so I started doing that just to make sure that people went and had the conversations they needed to have with their clients to give them the most help they could give them at that moment. So optimal, not even close. Uh, difficult, 100%. Very, very difficult. But it caused people to just go back and engage and say, what can we help you with? What can we help you with right now? And ask that question. And so a lot of those clients started generating opportunities around the pandemic because they had things that they could do. And they ended up having better relationships with their clients because they were communicating with them in a time of need and not making it self-oriented, not about a deal, not about a project, but about let's, let's hear where you are right now. Let's talk through what we could do to help you uh, recover as your business as fast as you can. So I sort of took my recovery plan and said, turn these into your recovery plans. Now, how are you going to help them get back as fast as possible? And so then they're having meaningful conversations about maybe we can't do anything right now. Maybe we just have to be on hold. But what can we put in place so that when this ends, you can go as fast as you can and get as much back as you lost uh, if you're aggressive about it and if you have a plan to do something. So it was strange to me that people would immediately start to think like, you can't talk to them right now because they're busy. Yeah, they're busy suffering. <laughs> That's the exact time you want to go talk to them and see if you can't give them some sort of relief or at least let them know that you're here and that you care about them. I mean, worst worst scenario is they know that you cared enough to call them. I mean, that, that, that's the worst thing that could happen. So how could that go wrong? I mean, how could that go wrong? It couldn't. So I, my biggest learning was how easy it is for people to say, my client's super busy dealing with these challenges. They don't have time for me. No, you're supposed to be helping them with the challenges. That's what we do. We show up and we help people with their challenges. So that was my problem. My biggest learning is that you sometimes have to nudge people. Uh, the way that I said it is the right thing to do is always the right thing to do. Like if it's right to go help your clients with their problems, it's always right to go help your clients with their problems. That's what you do. So a pandemic doesn't excuse uh, inaction and, and reactive and just waiting for somebody to tell you, I need your help. No, you go out and you ask if you can help. That's a, that's a really good point because no matter what, whether it's a pandemic or anything else, um, I, I've experienced a lot of us have experienced a lot of loss and grief through the years. Um, I experienced a lot of it last year when there's some kind of loss, the people around you often don't know what to do, what to say, how to react. And the person going through the loss doesn't even know how to articulate what it is that they want or what they need. And so we have to have that emotional intelligence to say, Hey, kind of like you did, here's a recovery plan. I don't know what I, what else, you know, here's something I'm going to try to do to help you. I, I went through the same thing last year of like, what do I do in this? And I ultimately ended up starting a, a weekly zoom mastermind, um, for free for small businesses locally through our chamber because I'm very involved and I'm like, I don't know what else to do. So I'm going to offer this up and people just flock to it. And people like from across the country ended up showing up and there was a Facebook group for it. And it, it, it was just a place to serve them without any expectation of anything in return. And it just, it just kept their energy going and their momentum going and gave them a place to have a talk. Yeah. 
And in the end, it got yeah. you an award too. That was a surprise because <laughs> you forgot all about I, it. I, yeah, yeah. I was, I was. I'm like, did I even mention that? But yeah, it did. It, 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 it ultimately ended up getting me an award for Volunteer of the Year. <laughs> I was like, what in the world is this? Like, and a, supposedly I was nominated by many people, and I'm like, why am I being given this award? And then when I went there to receive it, thinking I was just a nominee, and I'm like, oh, I, there were no nominees but me. It was because I showed up to serve the community, um, to show up. To, I showed up to to serve small businesses and, and and stuck to it. And so I didn't need an award for it. But I was I was happy to do it, but but it was cool. But the award's cool back there hearing is a superpower it just is so rachel anthony gina <laughs> anthony so we're, <laughs> we're so we love having you and we just can't wait to see you in person at outbound and we've got to wrap up with a few signature questions that we've developed since we had you on the show the first time are oh. you ready for this <laughs> Is not warned about <laughs> the city. Well, they're not too hard, except for the first one will hit it hits people in different ways. So gosh, poor Jeff. Poor Jeff. He really and Larry. They yeah, okay. I hope he can handle this. Give he it to can, him. He can Anthony can, he handle, can handle it. it. Yeah. So first question, how would you define the word sexy? The word sexy. So it's a, it's a very interesting word because it doesn't mean beautiful. It, do, it doesn't mean that. It means something different. It, it's a different type of, I would say, some sort of a, a, a magnetic sort of draw. Like it, it, it's something that's very difficult to resist. And, and it, it's something that's inviting you to something that's probably something you're not supposed to have. <laughs> At some level, but yeah, I was just going to go with Margot Robbie or something like that. But then I was like, no, that's just one person. But the concept is it, it is this uh, attractiveness that's magnetic and that's a little bit uh, forbidden fruit or something like that. I like it, like it, like it. I like it a lot. Love it. That was good. Suave that answer. Was, I like it. That was a really good one. Yeah. Second question is, what's the best advice that you've ever been given? I was thinking about my mom. She's like, when somebody is going to attack you, you jump on them and keep punching them until somebody pulls you off. And I was like, that was what my mom said. <laughs> I don't know that was the best advice I've ever had. So I, I'll just self-disclose. Uh, I didn't take a lot of advice. As a, as a person from maybe seven years old until, I don't know, 30, I didn't take a lot of advice. I did whatever I wanted to do. And whatever advice was given me uh, didn't resonate very well with me. I mean, it just, it didn't work. I'm very strong-willed. And uh, I took my own advice, which was a, a very, it's a, the most difficult way to learn what you need to know is to just decide that you're going to learn it on your own. So if I had to pick, I would say that the best thing that I could give you to, or at least offer for this conversation was a manager that I had that said, uh, remember that none of this is about you. Yes. And that was probably the most useful thing that I gained. Dang it. 
I love that it's one. It's hard. It's hard. I've, it's hard I've been given that one. I love that one. Yeah. Harder to take that. Yeah. Yes, it's hard to apply to yourself when you're like, ooh. All right, last question, Anthony, is what advice do you wish you had been given or given sooner? I, I have this. So I have no regrets. I have zero regrets in my life. All of the mistakes I made, I treasure every mistake, all of them. There's not one that I would go back and change. Not as even if I could. Like, let's say I go back and I talk to my 14-year-old self. That guy's not listening anyway. But it would have been nice if I was 14 and I was walking through my apartment complex and maybe let's say uh, a Maybach pulls up next to me and the back window comes down, right? And then a guy says, hey, uh, you're smart, you're aggressive, you should start a hedge fund. And then that would be the last thing they say and the window would just go up. And then I would be struck with this idea that I have to start a hedge fund. Like that would have been really, really helpful to me to have that direction at that particular time, but it never happened. So if I was hoping that that love got that. some some sort of direction, that would have been it. I love that. So any 14-year-olds listening right now, maybe you should start a hedge fund. It's not a terrible idea, especially if you started at 14. It's not a terrible idea. (laughs) Well, my husband's son is 15, so it's not too late for him to start a hedge fund. Yeah. You need somebody to drive up, though, in a Maybach. I know. I'll do it. I'll get get me a car. I'll do it. You know what? He wouldn't listen. If you, like, somehow were able to come into the video game, like, as a superhero or like drive up in the video game and do it there. He would listen. <laughs> okay. Well, Hey, we, we know how busy you are and it's, uh, it's time to let you go. Uh, we appreciate yeah, but I have margin because I didn't pour the sand in my jar. Like you have with <laughs> all the calendar stuff. <laughs> that you got Stop. <laughs> okay. Well, that's my key learning here. And I'll talk about that. Um, when we do the intro to this show, after you go, I will of uh, that. That'll be my takeaway from this. I'm going to get rid of the sand. Always so fun to have you on the show. If people want to reach out to you and, and connect with you, what's the best way to do that? TheSalesBlog.com. Okay. That's the one place to go. Sign up for the newsletter. Go check out TheSalesBlog.com. Um, I'm on the list. I read I read all the things you send. So thank you for your wisdom. We can't wait to see you at Outbound. We're like six weeks, right? Something like that right now. Yeah. 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 So it'll be super fun. Uh, So thanks again to Anthony and Arena for being on the women your mother warned you about. We love you. Social distancing for everybody else, but not for us. That is correct. All right. Just making sure. Yeah, we hug. We hug. If that's okay. Then once again, thanks to Anthony. Thank you, Warners, for listening to this episode of The Women Your Mother Warned You About, sponsored by Sales Gravy. And if you want to know more about Sales Gravy, go check out salesgravy.com. If you want to come to the Outbound Conference, you could use our special code Warners100. You go to outboundconference.com. And I'm Gina Tremarco signing out. Rachel, you got anything else to say? Anything else you need to know, you can find at womenyourmotherwarnsyouabout.com. Awesome. Bye, Warners. Bye, Anthony. This really will get serious soon. Yeah, don't. It doesn't have to. I don't think anybody wants it to be serious.